if you can't enjoy God, you're in trouble. Come on now. Some, some of you, God wants to just give you an oil change. There is no sad Holy Ghost. None. None. God sits in heaven and laughs. The heathen rage. You got to decide if you're going to be more like heaven or heathen. Come on. I've got a couple of quick announcements. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Isaiah 43. We'll start there. That's where I'm starting everything I do this year. But uh, as, uh, just as a father, I'm going to make an announcement. My, my son has a, a weather app up, and I actually promote it everywhere I go. It's called, you know, if you want to see his website, it's instantweathermaps.com. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can download a free app called Instant Weather Maps Free. Or if you want to pay, it would be nice. Instant Weather Maps Pro. <laughs> but it's his, uh, his weather app has been as high as number four in the world. And... Uh, it's you know currently I guess it's 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 under fifty in the it's like in the around fifty in the world but he's been in the top ten in seventy nine countries and you know he just turned eighteen so he's doing okay <laughs> so you know I'm desperate I need friends so if you're on Facebook type in preacher Woody Woodson, make a request. As long as you're nice, I'll keep you on. If not, I have the, the power to eliminate you. <laughs> My wife has three e-books out. If you just look at, type Pam Woodson, Amazon.com. Uh, she has uh, How to Hear the Shepherd's Voice, Righteousness Revealed in e-book form, and also uh, The Condemnation Conflict. So... Those are things we want to mention, and then we do have some CDs back there, but let's get into the Word. <laughs> let's go to Isaiah 43. Have you ever had a situation in your life where God just invaded you, changed you? I had one of those situations earlier this year, and I'm going I'm to share my experience through the Word of God on it. And I'll hopefully I'll make this as, as painless as possible. Because usually when God deals with me, I deal with you. You know, I say, God, you slap me, I slap them. <laughs> so we're, we're, I'm going to deal with something today. Let's go to Isaiah 43, 18. You'll understand this in a second. This is a scripture God gave me, not just for this world, this year, but for this season. It says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. How many of you understand that God is doing a new thing? Come on now. We're in a new season. Uh, there is no future in looking back. And you're going to find out something about God. The good old days were not good when they were old. Have you ever had a magical thing, an anointed thing? I don't know what you want to call it, but a wonderful time and you tried to make it happen again. And it just fell so flat. Come on now. You know, too many people are living in the past. And we must understand it's time to move forward, praise God. And God says, behold, I will do something new. And this is what God says. God told me, he said, I'm doing a new thing, but my people are not in position to see it yet. And he said, my number one call is to help reposition people. Do you know the number one call on a Christian is to see? 
You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. That literally Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. That literally we are called to live by revelation knowledge. That everything you need is already here, but you're not necessarily in position to see it. Come on now. Some of us are like Zacchaeus. We're a little short. Come on now. So we may need to climb a tree and, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, we have to reposition ourselves. Amen. And God says, if you'll see the new thing I'm doing, the result is it will spring forth Will you not be aware of it, which means you can miss what God's doing. He says, if you will see it, though, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What is God saying? He said, when you catch the revelation, it changes everything. When you catch the revelation, it makes a way where there is no way. It causes things to bloom and be fruitful. Come on now. It changes everything. See, when God does anything, he sends an idea. Because ideas create wealth. You know, that's what my son is so huge on. Is he said, Daddy, he said, all I've done is he said, I don't invent things even though people think he does. He said, I just position myself to see what's already here. And he said, if I can see it, I can make other people see it. Come on now. And look, God, you know, how many people understand God removed blinders from your eyes so you can be born again? But he wants to remove blinders from our eyes. Come on. So we can see what we need to see because wherever you're stuck, it's because you're not seeing what you need to see to get unstuck. You don't get something tonight. So in that is you know in that as a preface to what I'm preaching, earlier this year I'm, I've been praying for a while. I said God, whatever it takes, I want to go to the next level. You know, and I'm not stuck at a bad level. I'm stuck at a good level, or I've been stuck at a good level. I'm not stuck anymore, but I have been. You know, I mean, you know, most people would like to be where I was, but it's not where I've been called to be. You know, and I, I said, God, whatever it takes. And on Thanksgiving, he answered me. On Thanksgiving Day, the Lord, uh, you know, appeared or I, I heard his voice very clearly say, I want you to go on a 30-day fast. And I said, Lord, do you know what day it is? As though he didn't, but I, I just want to check. And he did, but at least he allowed me to have one last supper. It was a good one. But then, you know, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to go on a 30-day fast, I said, you know, it's been a long time since I had fasted. And I said, Lord, I won't last a day if it's just me. I'll just be mean, you know, hard to live with, angry. My stomach will growl and it will affect the rest of me. I said, Lord, you know, fasting is not one thing I do much anymore. He said, you do now. And honestly, it was a supernatural thing. Because I, I had never had a supernatural fast in my life. I've done a lot of disciplined ones. But for 30 days, I wasn't hungry. I understood in Luke 4 where it said after 40 days, Jesus became hungry. 
And literally during that time, in fact, the Lord said, I want you to start teaching on fasting. I said, Lord, I won't teach. I said, I'll do it, but I'm not going to teach it unless, it, unless I prove it. Because I won't teach anything that's not working for me. I won't. Anything I teach is stuff that is working in my life on some level. So I said, Lord, I know the purpose in the Bible for a fast was that there there needed something to be changed. You didn't fast for religious purposes. You fasted because you needed a breakthrough. You fasted basically because you had a specific thing you put your faith on. And I said, Lord, I have four areas I need to see a breakthrough in. And, Lord, if you, if you change, if, if you break through in these areas, if I see a difference, I'll teach it. If not, I won't teach. I'll do what you tell me to do, but I'm not going to teach what that, that which doesn't work. And I, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, really, you know, skinny preachers should teach on fasting. Because even if they don't do it, it looks like they do. Come on now. <laughs> it's true. And I, I just told him that, you know, and I can, he, that's why he laughs because he, he has me as a son. And so within, within 24 hours, we had a major breakthrough, one of the biggest ones in our ministry. We, I mean, we had so much things coming in all over the place. God was moving on people during, right in the midst of it. I mean, it was the timing almost was amazing. I needed to see that. In fact, within 24 hours, in fact, when I had the, the first major breakthrough, I said, God, is the fast over? <laughs> he said, I said, 30 days. And to be honest with you, it, it, was the, it, it was one of the most amazing things I had ever been in. And I, and I won't get you hungry for fasting. Now, I'm not asking you to do anything tonight. I'm asking you to be open to something tonight. I'm not asking you to do anything. that I Don't try doing what I did. I'm not going to try it again. I, all I did was hear from God and obey because God gives you grace in what he says. And, you know, you know, the reason I didn't fast for years is I had some medical issues going on. And, you know, basically I found out there's enough different types of fasting in the Bible. There's no excuse. Come on now. And it doesn't mean just without food. It may mean, you know, without certain types of food. Come on. But I begin to recognize the key to everything spiritually is hunger. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Come on now. If you're, you know, if you're either hungry and you're going to be filled tonight or you're fed up and there's nothing I can do for you. Come on. That's just the way it is. Hungry people. That's why God will bypass the knowledgeable and go for the hungry, the passionate people. Come on now. God will show up on bad theology with a hunger in the heart. Come on. And I begin to recognize this stuff. And I begin to just go back and I realize God began to show me things. He told me that fasting is a key to passion, doors opening. Is a key to power in Scripture. It's a key to favor and miraculous provision. And it's the key to the call of God in Scripture. In fact, fasting is the doorway into the new. And when I studied throughout revival, there were two keys to every time a major revival was about ready to hit. There was a call to prayer and there was a call to fasting. And I believe the church has finally gained a call to prayer. 
I believe God's trying to begin to wake them up to the power of fasting. See, I'm talking about repositioning yourself. Remember in Matthew 6, when it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, in the beginning of that chapter, it tells you how to. It says, when you give, not if you give. Come on now. When you give, what you do is you don't sound an alarm. You don't let people see what you're doing. You give in secret. In fact, I, I've been in churches where they were upset because they'd ask how many people would give this. I never would raise my hand. And I just it's a personal thing with me. I just, I'm not saying it's wrong either way. I'm just saying with me, I would never let anyone know what I'm doing. But I would do it. And they'd call me and say, why do you do that? I said, because I don't want my hand raised to be my reward. I want the God that sees in secret. Plus, I don't want the person next to me to feel pressure to do what God told me to do. So I don't want to be in a manipulative thing. But how many people understand if God sees in secret and he rewards you openly, you just change positions? Well, your secret life will always be rewarded where other people can see its effect publicly. And God told me this. He said, your giving's always been good. Two things kill more churches than anything else. We know that. Staph infection and cirrhosis of the giver. We know that. See, all the tithe is, is, is what, you know, God has a trust fund. He said, you trust me with the tithe, I'll fund it. If you don't tithe, you don't trust. So you're not positioned for open heavens. Come on. Oh, yeah, I, lost, I just lost somebody. That's good. <laughs> I'll offend you all before it's over. Hey! <laughs> But the bottom line is, and God said, you've always been a good giver, which I always have. I was a good giver before I got saved. I never have had problems giving away stuff. And one of the greatest revelations I've ever had is not, I, I'm a steward, not an owner. So whatever I give away is someone else's stuff anyway. <laughs> so I have no problems giving away other people's stuff. I never have. Come on. And it says, when you pray. God says, you know, when you pray, lock yourself in the closet, shut the door, and the God who sees in secret will once again reward you openly. And this is what the Lord told me. He, he, he said, you know, he said your, your giving has always been good. He said your prayer life has now become good. It wasn't always good. I could get in the Word for hours and pray 10 minutes. You know, when they, they used to say, could you not tarry one hour? I felt like, No. I mean, between tongues and English, it was like 10 minutes. It's like, okay, I'm, well, now what? <laughs> Let's get back in the Word. <laughs> but now, I'm, you know, I've become a man of prayer. It's taken a while. God's worked in me on that. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, you've been operating on a two-fold cord. But a three-fold cord's not easily broken. It says, when you fast, not if you fast. It says, God who sees in secret, again, will reward you openly. This is what the Lord dealt with me on. He, he said, you know, I consider fasting to be as important as prayer and giving. 
He said, it's not, you're not supposed to you know, do it as often as prayer because if you fast without ceasing, you'll cease. <laughs> but there are seasons that you need to do that. And I began to look into my, and realize in my life, my call, to fir- my call to full-time ministry started on fast. My first time I ever fasted in my life. In the midst of it, I was at church, and that's when God literally changed everything in my life. I just knew I needed to seek him. I saw it in scripture, and next thing you know, I'm heading, you know, to Tulsa. It was different. It was a a gateway into the new for me. Later on, I went on a 19-day fast because I had a little boy with leukemia. It wasn't my son, but he could have been. He was very close to me. He died at age three of leukemia. He had it from the time he was one to the time he was three. And have you ever had a situation where you said, that ain't right? That is just flat out not God. And I was so upset. I just, you know, I I, I said, God, I am so tired of the church having no power. And it drove me to seek God. and, And literally God told me, just study on love, study on love. I thought, I said, do I study faith? He said, study on love. And the more I studied on love, the more, you know, after 19 days, and that's when God lifted me from that thing, I started praying for people and seeing results. I won't get you hungry for things. We're going to give you a lot of scripture in a second, but I won't get you hungry. Let me show you how this also worked. Several years ago, I mean, it was several years ago because my brother was 22 at the time. His wife had extremely extreme toxemia. She was in a toxemic coma. She was pregnant with her second child. And he calls me up and he's crying. And he said, Woody, he said, said, Laura's in, in a coma. They've had to take the baby. She was born at one pound, nine ounces. In 1978, he said, what do I do? They said, my wife's going to die. The baby's going to die. And he said, if that happens, I'm going to die. So what do I do? I said, I said Bill, is, 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 there, is there a chapel in the hospital? He said, yes. I said, I do business with God. I said, all I do, I said, I grab hold of the altar in that thing. I grab hold of God with everything you know. Get in God's face and do some business. Well, for 10 days, he lived in the, in the chapel. He made vows to God. Up to that point, Jesus was his Savior. He had said some words, but Jesus wasn't Lord of his life. Jesus was in his life. He wasn't totally committed. He believed if he died, he'd probably go to heaven, but there was no way he was going to bring any heaven to earth until then. But during that time, he cried out to God. He said, God, if you will just heal my wife. He didn't even mention the baby. If you'll heal my wife, I'll serve you with everything within you. He was so desperate. He he didn't fast because he knew about it. He fasted because there are some things more important than food. But after 10 days, his wife came out of the coma. She was healed. Today, my niece is 30-some-odd years old. You would never, ever know she was, had been one pound, nine ounces. If anything, she needs to lose a little bit. <laughs> but that, you know, God would do exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> 
But the bottom line is he positioned himself for a miracle. That's what, that's what fasting does. You humble your soul with fasting. This is what the Lord told me. He said, Woody, I, have, I had the spirit without measure, and I never sinned. And yet it was necessary for me to go on a 40-day fast before I started the ministry. He said, if you're better than I was, maybe you don't need to fast. Did you ever notice when before Jesus fasted, he was full of the Holy Ghost? After the fast, he came out in the power of the Spirit. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why is the church powerless? He said, because it's flesh ruled. Come on. Say, be nice. This is about as nice as you gotta understand some fasting to me. I got my I got my family born again because they have never missed a meal. So I told them that there was a marriage supper, but there the Jesus was the meal ticket. If you want to eat, baby, you're gonna have to receive them. My whole family's little big people. My grandma was five foot by five foot. My dad was 5'5 five five by 5'5. Five five. We bought a Polaroid camera to take a picture of his toes so he knew what they looked like. When I saw SpongeBob SquarePants, I knew he was related. You know, that was my family. My family, you know, we, were, we weren't temples. We were cathedrals. You know, when, when I grew up, I mean, we, when I would eat a pizza, it would be every one of us would order a large pizza. As a seven-year-old, I would have 16 pieces. I knew exactly how much was in there. And, that, and then I had dessert, a third of a cake. And, you know, and then they wondered why I looked the way I did. But still, we like to eat. But how many of you understand when, you know, with Jesus, literally everything God does, you know, you, you study throughout Scripture, you know, the first commandment he gave to man had to do with food. See, one of the, one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ is uncontrolled appetite. It says in, in Philippians 3 how the God is their stomach. And I found out something. You know, I mean, God could have, God could have said anything. He could, he could have said, you know, he, he could put li- other limitations. He, when he created the garden, he said, you can eat of anything, but don't eat of this one. Now, there are legalists who say, you know, legalists will tell you don't eat anything or don't enjoy it, feel guilty. You know, and, and I don't ever want to be a legalist. Come on now. They, the legalists cannot enjoy anything. I mean, they are just, ah, uh, you know. And then there's the extreme grace people that say it's all good. We know what God said about that, but hey, it's all good. And the bottom line is there's a balance. And we must understand as long as it's in God's parameters, it's good. But there are certain things that are not right. Come on. And there are times we need to humble our soul with fasting. That's what it does. You know, what fasting does is it doesn't change God. It repositions us. And what I found out is during the fast, what God will do is it purifies you. You know, I told my wife, I said, during the fasting time, I was on the, I was on the highest ups and the lowest lows about every 30 minutes apart. 
It's like, wow, isn't that great? Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> it went on for a month. You know, you, you, won't, you won't even know how much flesh you have until you deny it. Come on now. You know, just, just me talking about fasting, you can't wait out and, get, get, and go out and eat just in case. <laughs> Come on, I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, in this season, God told me he's anointed the fast. And be honest with you, if, if in order for us to perceive what we need to perceive, there's going to be a season where God will call you into one. I know it without a shadow of doubt. I begin to see the breakthroughs throughout Scripture. I begin to realize that, that, that there are scriptural patterns that God has set up. And, you know, I, I begin to also study great men of God. I mean, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of Brother Hagin's tapes, and what, what didn't shock me is every one of his, uh, you know, Ken Sr.'s uh, cassette tapes had Mark 11 on it. I knew that. You know, I, I, I knew about have the faith of God. About, you know, speaking to the mountain. If you don't doubt, it's going to obey you. You can have whatsoever you say. I, I, I knew when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have it. What I did not know on every cassette was every single cassette I listened to, he mentioned the importance of living a fasted lifestyle. And I believe that was a key to that man's life. And he wasn't a small man. <laughs> Thank God. Because all he was basically saying is, you need to desire God's word above your necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you are going to get something whether you like it or not. Some of you just gain hungry. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God is going to do, let's go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. We're going to see some stuff in here. How many, of you, how many of you have a mountain that needs to move? How many of you are stuck in some area? Come on now, be honest with me. Let me show you when it's appropriate to fast. Let me show you when it's not appropriate to fast. In Mark 2, 19, Jesus said this, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom do not fast, do they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. What Jesus is saying is there's a time when it's not appropriate to fast. And that time is when you're hearing God clearly. Revelation is flowing. Come on. You're sensing His glory. Everything is fresh. I tell you during that time, drink the fat, eat the sweet, celebrate. Amen. But it goes on to say the days will come. When the bridegroom is taken away. And what he's saying is there's going to be times in your life when God seems far away. Where it seems like the heaven is like brass. You know God is there by faith, but you don't know him by feelings or any other evidence. And he said when that begins to happen, then they will fast.
And then he continues to talk on the same theme. He doesn't change themes. He's still talking about fasting. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear results. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh or renewed wineskins. What's God saying? He's basically saying that he's still talking about fasting. And what he's saying is an old wineskin doesn't care when he's not there. An old wineskin can continue to function without God's presence. They don't have to hear from heaven anymore. In fact, they can live by the letter and not even have the Spirit show up. An old wineskin can have a form. In fact, an old wineskin likes to dictate to God what he can do. But a new wineskin is a type that gets desperate when it seems like God's far away and they press into him. They press towards the presence and say, God, whatever it takes, I want you. I want your presence. I'll yield to you wherever you're going. I'll flow with you. I don't want to just get set in a form. I want the substance. Does this make sense? And see, when, you know, those, that the new wineskins, I mean, the old wineskins, they won't fast, but the new wineskins will. They'll deny their flesh to get the glory of God to show up. Am I helping someone yet? See, how many of you understand that there are some deliverances and healings that will only take place when you're fasted up? In Matthew 10, 1, Jesus gave the anointing to the disciples to heal the sick and cast out devils. Told them to do it. But in Matthew 17, when they came against a lunatic boy who's demon-possessed, kept throwing himself in the fire. And the parents, the father of that boy brings him to the disciples. They try to cast out the spirit. They could not. And you can study it. They could not. And then they brought the boy to Jesus, and, he, and, they, and the father said, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't get him delivered. And Jesus upbraided the disciples, how you unbelieving, perverse generation. How long do I have to be with you? And with one word, he cast out that spirit. And the disciples came up to him after the, probably after the father left, and sheepishly asked him, and said, how come we couldn't get the boy delivered? And he said this, this kind, this kind of demon will only come out through prayer and fasting. This kind, this kind, you, you may be facing a this kind of situation. You know, it may not be the norm. It may not even be the norm when you deal with demonic activity. There's sometimes a this kind that if you don't fast, in fact, I, I, I remember game before God said, God, I am doing everything I know. He said, you're not doing everything. Having done all this, stand, he said, have you done all yet? Come on. Somebody going to get this. I didn't say you. I'm trying to make it as light as I can. 
In fact, if you obey, you'll get lighter. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Do you, do you know that I, I, deal, I deal with fallen ministers all the time I'm restoring, and most of the time it's because their appetites are out of control. And it didn't just happen. If you allow your flesh to take over, part, part of what fasting does, it tells your body who's in charge. It says, you will not dominate me. When I first got saved, I mean, I had, I had to step up just to become carnal. I was so bound. I mean, I, I was addicted to everything. Literally. I mean, people say, ah, they give me a time. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I was there. I mean, you know, I, I mean, when I would give my testimonies in church, I mean, oh, it was a holiness church. About every other word was a cuss word. And I was getting, oh, yeah, blanky, blank, blank. God did this for me. And they thought, oh. Does anyone have a testimony other than Woody? <laughs> Took a while for God to deliver my mouth, but my heart was there. But it just seemed like I was always falling. And back in those days when I'd fall, I'd feel so guilty, I'd fast. It's just something I did. I'd feel bad, and I said, God, you know, and I'd go on a fast, and I asked God about it. I said, God, I thought it was because I didn't understand righteousness, which I didn't have a revelation of back then. So I was trying to earn something. But at the same time, he said, Lord, he said, what do you know why you made it? He said, because you would not allow your, fast, your flesh to rule you. And he said that part of that fasting was helping to bring you deliverance. Come on. That's why I made it, because I was hungry and I was thirsty. Do you know the original sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, if you, if you study it out, was the fact that they had uncontrolled natural appetites that led to the homosexuality. It's weird. But you can study that in Ezekiel. See, all I know right now is how many of you, how many of you want to see what you've never seen before? I started studying out throughout Scripture, and every time that, 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 that God used someone for a breakthrough, it seemed like it was somebody that was on a fast. When God, when God was going to bring a law that Israel lived by for all the way up to the New Testament and the commandments that we still should honor today. He took a man named Moses, brought him to a mountaintop on a 40-day fast, and during that 40-day fast, God gave him a revelation that would change everything. It would influence a nation. I don't, believe, I, I don't believe it was by chance that he chose the man on the fast. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was in God's presence and God impacted him with words. And it changed everything. When Israel was in a situation where the word of the Lord was rare, there was no prophetic voice. There was a young Israelite woman in 1 Samuel chapter 1 named Hannah. Hannah was desperate for a child. And be honest with you, what I have found out is when, when you need all throughout Scripture, and I believe it's still true today, 
If you've had trouble conceiving, there may be something very special you're about ready to birth. Because you study all the people that had trouble conceiving and when they gave birth to that child, the destiny on that child. So in the midst of that, Hannah cried out to God. She fasted and she went to the temple where Eli, a flesh priest, which honestly represents a lot of the priesthood in America today. They thought she would eat the priest, saw her desperate, crying out, moving her lips, thought she was drunk, accused her and said, how come you're drinking in the middle of the day? And she said, I'm not drunk, I'm desperate, I'm coming because I need a breakthrough. And the priest said, by this time next year, you'll give birth. And by that time next year, she not, she not only gave birth to a son, she gave birth to the voice of God. Because that son was Samuel. Come on now. God raised up a prophetic voice. It was through fasting there was a breakthrough. God looked for someone. Come on. We see in the case of Esther. She was beautiful. She had favor. She was in the king's palace. She was born in the kingdom for such a time as this. But when literally the king was tricked into signing an edict against the Jewish people, and Mordecai came to Esther and said, Esther, wake up. You've been born in the kingdom for such a time as this. Your people need you. And if you don't respond, God will bring deliverance from some other source. But don't think you're going to escape what's coming on. You have access to the king, therefore you go. You know what Esther said? Esther didn't say, I'm going to do it. Esther said, you tell the people to fast for three days. Then I'll go. You get the people positioned for favor. Had she just run to the king immediately, probably Israel would have been destroyed. But because they humbled themselves and they positioned themselves, the breakthrough came and Israel was spared. Are you hearing what the Spirit of God's saying? All throughout Scripture. When Jehoshaphat was facing an army bigger than he was, five armies coming against him. Second Chronicles chapter 20. He looked, he was afraid. And many times circumstances can make you afraid. Nothing wrong with being afraid. There's something wrong with allowing fear to stop you. Understand that, because if you think, if you feel fear, you're out of the spirit, you're not. You know, one of the best things I've heard was Joyce Meyer teaching on do it afraid. Because we've all done it afraid. We still do it afraid at times. But the bottom line is, when that situation arose, he called the entire nation into a fast. They positioned themselves. And then he made a confession that as faith people, we'd have some problems with. Because he said, Lord, these armies are bigger than we are. 
We have no strength in ourselves to stop what's going on. But I'm glad they didn't stop there. But our eyes are on you. We're positioning ourselves to look to you. And because they were in position, the word of the Lord came. And the word of the Lord said, you don't have to fight this battle. Send the praisers first. And we notice when the word of the Lord came, everything changed. See, they had to position themselves to see. Position themselves to hear. Position themselves for the breakthrough. Many of you, you want a breakthrough, but you're out of position. I wish I could make it easier, but I found out until you cut away flesh, there doesn't seem to be a move of the Spirit. You know, sometimes God says, how bad do you want it? It's been prophesied over you. You've seen it. How bad do you want it? Good preaching. Thank you. And we know when Jehoshaphat, when they heard and they listened to the prophets, they succeeded. We know they routed the enemy in one day. And it took them three days to gather all the spoils. And when the greatest transference of wealth took place because of revelation from heaven. And the greatest transference of wealth always takes place by revelation from heaven. Come on now. Always does. Some of you are going to begin. I'm going to get you hungry for this stuff. I'm going to tell you, I don't want you to run out and fast. I want you to run out and be open. And when God tells you to do something, I want you to do it. And, you know, in fact, when God called me on that thing, I called my doctor. I said, I've got these medical issues. This is what I really believe I want to do. Can I do it? Because God wouldn't ask me to do something that would hurt me. Don't be stupid. And when I talked to him, he said, well, yeah, he said, you can go on the broth thing. He said, if you feel weak, you can eat a couple of peanuts or something. It will, do, it will do what you need to do to keep your blood sugar right. And so, yeah, my blood cholesterol before the fasting was always like 300 with medicine. Always has been. Was when I had 5% body fat. After the fast, 14 days into the fast, I, I did, they did blood work on me. It was 120. So many things got corrected. I finally realized maybe it was that kind of devil that was just oppressing me. I mean, I always thought it was a physical condition. Maybe it wasn't. Because it seemed to be broken by fasting. I don't care how it got rid of. I'm just glad it got rid of. Come on now. I started looking all throughout Scripture. Do you know the, the Apostle Paul, you know, Jesus entered ministry on fast. The Apostle Paul was called in ministry on fast. Knocked off his high horse or camel, whatever it was. He was blinded for three days, and then they, they prayed for him. The scales were removed, and he was told all things he must suffer. When he was called to the mission field, he already knew he was called, but he didn't know about timing. And it was during the fast when they were ministering to the Lord, with fasting and prayer, that the Lord said, separate me. 
Paul and Barnabas to the ministry I called them to. It fine-tuned me. I started looking throughout Scripture, and I said, God, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere I look, God, it's something that, that you, you really take more seriously than we do. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I, I know, just like I said, you, you mess with people's food. In fact, when God, God told me this, in fact, how many people understand we, we pray for rain, but one of the things you need to do is break up the fallow ground. You know what fasting does? It breaks up the fallow ground. When God told me to teach on fasting, I said, you know how to kill an offering, don't you? <laughs> All you got to do, you mess with people's food, they get angry. That's when my wife and I first got married. One of the hardest things for me is she likes to share food. Now, I'd share almost anything else with her. You touch my food, baby, you in trouble. Guess what I've learned? She can have it. <laughs> Took me a while. <laughs> Whatever you want, honey. <laughs> you can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> but you can't be both. <laughs> so men just practice this. I was wrong. <laughs> Even if you don't know what for, just practice it. Come on. It works every time. Except for when she asks for what. Then you have to figure it out. But how many of you, let's go to Joel 2, and I'm going to pray for you in a second. This okay tonight? How how many of you, I I just want you, I I really want you to get your breakthrough. And to be honest with you, what happened in my life when I went on this fast, and I, I am about 45 pounds lighter than I was last year when I was here, so it did work pretty good that way. And, you know, I, I really haven't gone back to where I was. It broke something. And, you know, something that honestly was out of control for a long time. And I was so happy because, you know, you, you, you want the, I mean, the Bible says we present our bodies as living sacrifice. And, you know, I found out fasting is really a real presenting of your body, not out, not out legalism. Like I said, please, if you're going to fast, write down the purpose of the fast. Don't sacrifice to sacrifice. But you fast because you face a wall you cannot move. You fast because you're stuck. You fast because you've done everything else you know. And nothing seems to be working. You fast because you're not hearing like you used to hear or seeing like you used to see. It's your, it's your way of letting God know I mean business. And it's amazing how God will honor that. Because if you're doing it right, you're doing it to honor God. You want Him. Come on. You want him. Let's go to Joel 2, and then we're, we're going to pray for people. I believe this is, honestly, I believe God's anointed the fast for this season. Anytime God is entering, is bringing us into a new place, it just seems like fasting is part of the process. Because I asked God, I said, God, how come it seems like everywhere I turned, you were breathing on that? And it just seemed like I had never heard anyone teaching on it for years. 
And then all of a sudden, I kept hearing the teaching. I said, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing a new thing, and I've got, again, position my people. And he said, I've put an anointing on the fast for this season. But Joel chapter 2. Let's look at verse 15. I hope that's the right one. We'll find out. <laughs> it says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of his br- her bridal chamber. Let the priest of the Lord's ministers weep between the porch and the altar. If we, if I found out something about fasting is all of a sudden you start feeling what God feels. If we've ever needed a priesthood that would weep for a nation, we do now in this nation. Let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and do not make thine inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land. You know, we love preaching on God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He's going to restore the wasted years. But the bottom line is the prerequisite of that is the fast. He said, after the fast, things that weren't working are going to begin to work again. The vines are going, the, the vats are going to be filled with new wine. I'm going to remove the shame after the fast. I'm going to restore the years the canker worm has eaten after the fast. Where there's been lack, there'll be plenty. Come on, somebody. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Part of humbling yourselves is fasting. And turn from their wicked ways. You'll hear from, God says, I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. He said, all these things will begin to take place because you've positioned yourself. And he said, after this, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will have vision. Revelation will be restored in the land. See, that's what God's saying right now. One of the reasons we're fasting is so that revelation, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, words from heaven, ideas, come on. Literally, ideas can change everything. One word from heaven can change everything. The light will be turned on. And we'll see what's been there all along. We just couldn't see it before. It's time to reposition ourselves. You change your position, God will change his disposition. Ask Nineveh. When they repented, God was angry, but when they repositioned themselves, he changed his disposition. The result was mercy. Even when you deserve to fry, Why not humble yourselves with fasting and watch God's mercy? 
When you don't know what to do, this is something you can do. I've had people that they need a miracle. They say, what if I do this and a miracle doesn't happen? And I say, the least you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I knew. And there's something noble about that. When David sinned and his baby was stricken, he fasted as long as there was a chance. As long as the baby was alive, he fasted. He was a man after God's own heart, even, he blew, even though he blew it. And the baby still died. But you know, he wasn't upset afterwards. He just went on his way. But you know, he could look himself in the mirror and at least I did everything I know. There's something right about that. Because I've had people say, well, what happens? I say, well, honestly, I don't ever consider that thought until afterwards. But the bottom line is it's still the right thing. I want every head bowed, no one looking around. It's the way we do it in America. <laughs> it's true. I go overseas. I, I don't even give altar calls. They just fill the altar, so I figure there must be a call or something. <laughs> I figure I might as well get him saved and healed, whatever. Then go back out and sit, and then, and then the next wave comes up while I'm preaching again. It's kind of fun. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.